0: Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by Dr. Eddie Sauer, who practices general dentistry at Shimon Dental Group. Eddie has been my dentist since I was in college. He's my kid's dentist. He's taken care of their teeth ever since they got teeth. In fact, my son Owen just went to the dentist for a cleaning before he returns to Texas A&M for the fall semester. Dr. Sauer is a national speaker on Invisalign and has used that technology to improve his patient's smiles and positioning. You can learn more by following Shemin Dental on Facebook or visit SheminDental.com. That's S-H-E-M-E-N. And as part of this podcast partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Canyon Rim Consulting, online at CanyonRimConsulting.com and to Jeff Barra State Farm, online at JeffBarra.com. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Alyssa Heck Lewis, the owner of Hudson House Canyon, which was recently honored as the Woman-Owned Business of the Year at the West Texas Small Business Awards. Hudson House is a senior living community located right next to WT on Russell Long Boulevard in Canyon. Now, Alyssa didn't have a typical path to entrepreneurship. She got a finance degree from WT. She worked in banking for several years before moving into the medical field. And then in the middle of COVID, right smack in the middle of the pandemic, she bought this small assisted living facility. And it's one of the few locally owned senior living communities in this area. So in this episode, we talk about her career, we talk about how she thinks about risk, and how central the city of Canyon is to her business. So here's Alyssa Heck-Lewis. Alyssa Heck-Lewis, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm honored to have you. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, who you are and, and what you do, but before we get to that, I always ask my guests, why are you here? So what brought you to this area in the first place?
1: Well, I was born and raised here, so I guess my parents, my grandparents <laughs> farmed here. Okay. Um, and so they originally came and in Goodnight and then also in Claude. My, both my granddads farmed, and so um, my dad came back and took over the family farm and I am.
0: Did you grow up like in a farm setting, like out in the country? I or?
1: did. Okay. I did on the Randall-Armstrong County line. So it's a dot on the map. You wouldn't yeah. find it probably. But um, my dad still farms there today. So What kind of farming? Um, he does wheat, hay, Milo. Depends on the year. Okay, so. just like
0: most farmers, yes, it's whatever, yes. whatever works during yes. that. He season. He is dry
1: land though, so that's what's unique about okay. him. Okay, interesting. No irrigation, so.
0: Well, this has probably been a really interesting season for him.
1: Then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's loved it actually. Well, for the most part.
0: Where did you go to high school? In Claude. Okay.
1: Yes, graduated from Claude High School.
0: Was that a good experience? I mean, is it, a, a lot of people will look back and they'll think, oh, I just went to this tiny high school. I wish I'd gone to something bigger. And some people will think, man, I loved that I was in a, a small high school. How, how was that experience for you?
1: I loved it so much that I have recently moved back and I am going to raise my family there. I graduated with 25 and I know them all. I still kind of keep up with the majority of them. And so, yeah, I loved it. My sister's still there. My parents are there. Okay.
0: You so. still got deep ties then yes. in Claude. Yes. What did you do after high school graduation? I
1: thought I wanted to be a nurse anesthetist. I wanted to do anesthesia is what I thought I was like, the direction I was going. Well,
0: that's a that's a really specific direction. Yes. Is um, there a reason for
1: that? No. I just, I, I don't know. That's what okay. I thought I wanted to do. And so I set off. I started at Emerald College. Went through a semester of nursing school, and I was like, nope, not for me. Okay. Went to WT and um changed my major several times. Thought I wanted to be a teacher. Thought I wanted to be a nurse again. And then I was actually working in the banking industry. I was at um, First Bank Southwest in their wealth management department. Okay. And I was like, mm, I kind of like this. So changed my route, and I got a finance degree from WT. And... Spent a couple of years in the banking world. <laughs>
0: when did you graduate from WT? In was 2014.
1: It? Okay. Yes.
0: And then after getting a finance degree, um, spending a couple of years in the banking world, was it not what you expected or did you think, okay, maybe I don't want to do this for the rest of my life? Um, a lot I, of people started a bank and then they are at that bank for a long time. Yes. Like there's a lot of longtime bank employees in this area.
1: So there's a couple of things I think that played into that. Um my personality is pretty outgoing. I was a credit analyst for a very long time at Happy State and then also at uh, First Capital. And I loved the, my lenders. I loved the opportunity. And I really liked seeing how other businesses worked. Right. I got really into the real estate. And I thought, you know, everybody else can do this. Maybe I can too. Hmm. Like, um, so it was maybe a little encouraging to my entrepreneurial spirit. And I would say that is the other thing is, while I had other jobs, I was always hustling something else, you know, Okay. trying to make the next dream come true. And um, that goes like, that also goes deep. Everyone in my family is self-employed, pretty much. Um, three of my five siblings are self-employed, both my parents are self-employed, mm-hmm. all my grandparents were self-employed. Okay. Whether that be real estate development, um, my sister runs the Amarillo for- Foreclosure Report, okay. my other sister's a realtor, so everybody just kind of always had their... I don't know. I, I would say freedom is what it looked like to me during that time when I was, you know, very structured, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Sure. It was like, why am I doing this? Could I, you know, run my own schedule and run my own life? And so I started getting these wild ideas and started kind of playing with real estate a little bit and having some small wins. And and then I left the bank to go help start a surgery center.
0: Okay. What was that surgery center?
1: It's Surgery Center of Amarillo. Okay. we There were like four employees at the time, no patients. We were trying to get it up and going, and we had no idea what we were doing. Hmm.
0: Was it starting from scratch, or was it taking uh-huh. over like an existing building that was already sort of...
1: Um, it, do you know where um, Amarillo Oncology is? Yes. So it's on the south end of that. They just remodeled it and moved in. Okay. So... It was an existing building, but it hadn't been a surgery center. Before. All
0: right. How did that happen? Like, that doesn't seem like <laughs> you just sitting in your desk, you know, at the bank and thinking, oh, maybe I'll start a surgery center.
1: Um, so I was, I actually nannied for um, a family. He's, he's a CEO at BSA now. Okay. And I worked for them during college, keeping their child. And he went over to see that building and he said, oh, you know who'd be great at this job, like getting this going is Alyssa. And I was like, I don't know. It was hard, really hard for me to leave um, the bank because I was just about to finally break into the lending. And mm-hmm. I, like my chance was, you know, being dangled in front of me. And I was like, "Uh, do that or start try something totally new. I really struggled with making that decision, but I did it and... Um, at that time, I was only working four days a week, so it gave me another day to kind of have a little flexibility. Mm-hmm. And it was worth it.
0: So what was your role then with the surgery center? Were you like, managing it?
1: Um, my, I was like the CFO okay. is what I was. Um, and so, I mean, at first it was we're ordering supplies and chairs and desk and computers putting things that I've always walked into. You know, every mm-hmm. time I ever walked into a job, there was an office for me or a desk at least. Um and so it was a very strange transition. And also one of the best parts about it was I got to wear scrubs every day. I no longer had to <laughs>
0: <laughs> You didn't have to wear bankers' clothes. Yeah.
1: I didn't it was like, I know exactly what I'm wearing tomorrow. It's great. Um that was just a small but wonderful perk
0: (laughs) how long did that last
1: i was there for two and a half years um so end of 2017 through 20 like mid 2020 okay maybe end of 18. and i was looking for i thought i was gonna there was a happy a bank that happy state bank had foreclosed on and i thought you know what would be really cool is one of the care homes like an assisted living but just small and this house was a six bed six bath house and i thought that would be great i could do that
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know why i think oh yeah let's do it 24-hour care yeah like try to figure that out um so i contacted my some distant relatives of mine that owned um the hudson house canyon and i was going to just ask some questions kind of about how the business runs and how Anything works and um Sharon is a very direct woman. She's mid, she was early seventies at the time. And so she was pretty just, you know, direct. And I asked actually at the time if they would ever sell the business. And she was like, No, we're not. Um, so this was the end of twenty nineteen. Um, COVID hit in mm-hmm. March of twenty and in April of twenty I got a phone call and I declined it. And got the voicemail that said, um, hey, we're, we we want to sell the business and we want you to have it. And I'm like, Excuse me. I'm twenty seven, single, and this is a thirty three bed facility. Okay. I was looking at maybe like a six, four to six right. because you don't have to license with the state. Um so I was hoping keep it on a pretty small scale, and this just rocked my world.
0: And there was a pandemic happening in which, (laughs) like, nursing homes were on the front lines of a lot of the concerns and worries. And, you know, we had all these images of people standing outside the window waving at grandma, (laughs) you know?
1: Yes. Well, and the worst part was, like, after I finally said, okay, I'm going to do it, Hudson House Canyon was, like, the hot spot in Yeah. It was like, here we are. I'm like, oh, we finally made it on the map, but... Because we have so many people with positive yeah. COVID tests, so um, and at that time it was all under wraps. I I hadn't told anyone that I was doing it, but um, yes, it was a little a little bit of a challenge with a very vulnerable population, mm-hmm. and trying to navigate that was.
0: How long did you think about it before you said yes? I mean, was was there a period of trying to learn more about it or do some due diligence or figure out, okay, I'm a credit analyst, you know, will this work financially?
1: <laughs> the terrible answer is no. Okay. I was like, all right, like
0: let's do it, right? Let's
1: do it. Um probably because I she's someone I've always respected, Sharon is, and um she runs a she runs a great business. You can just you know those pieces.
0: So all the pieces were in place. You weren't having to reinvent a lot of things like starting a, a surgery center from right, scratch, right?
1: Right. And and with my I felt like with my banking background and also the, you know, new business and learning how to run a business and how to work a lot of things and with employees, and it was like everything kind of felt like it fell into place. And that was like opportunity of a lifetime. Hmm. You think about those things, there was actually somebody locally that was asking We want to buy it. We want to buy it now, and so it felt to me there was a little pressure, like say yes or say no,
0: right? Or I'm sit on it. If
1: I'm going to think about it, it's a no. You know, like somebody's somebody's going to take that opportunity. Is how I felt.
0: Well, let's talk about that risk because in your role in the banking world as a credit analyst, like your job is to evaluate the risk financial risk of of decisions you know as a lender right. and that your customers are making so you're familiar with that but probably much closer to the risk averse side like you don't want to take too many risks or you want to to know what those are going to look like and then when you're starting the surgical center you're part of a team you're probably not on the hook for you know the the whole investment mm-hmm. um and so there's a little bit of removal from the risk there but when you buy an existing business like that's all on you. So how did you think about that? Was, was that something that you had to deal with or did you just kind of take a, take a leap? And I just jumped it works? in the
1: water. I mean, honestly, at that time I was single. I was like, you know what? They were in their mid seventies and they were, you know, afraid to go in. It was, I mean, everybody thought they were gonna die yeah, from COVID. Yeah. And of course, it's in there. You know, it's a hot spot. Those nurses are going from building to building, and there's positive everywhere. And so I thought, okay, it's me. Like the worst thing that can happen is either I sell it to someone else that's the worst that that was the worst mm-hmm. thing in my head was, okay, I can't do this. I'm gonna somebody else can take it. And there was a guy locally that I knew, and I don't personally know him, but I know his name and He's always wanted that building, and he has an assisted living. So I thought, okay, he would have the residence. He would want to take over the building. Like if I had it's to,
0: it's kind of a backup plan. Yeah. there was Hail Mary. a plan B. We're getting out of me. here.
1: Um, yeah, that that was the backup plan. I'll call him. You know, and I never even talked. I didn't even have his phone number. Didn't
0: hmm.
1: know him at all. So
0: tell me what those first few months were like. When did you actually? take over ownership like date wise
1: july of 2020 okay
0: so it was a little less intense pandemic wise at least that summer was although it got a lot worse in the fall Uh, so what would what were those first weeks like walking um, in and trying to figure out how am i going to keep the residents safe and protected and all that
1: happy that was the hardest part was keeping them their spirits up um, because at that time the state was mandating like everybody stay in their rooms. so you could walk down those halls and it was like eerie mm-hmm. quiet a very interesting part of the story is that i actually moved in i sold my house in amarillo and moved into the assisted living
0: actually lived there
1: i actually lived there okay until may of 21 wow so um so it
0: was a true 24 hour care sort of job right
1: yes it definitely took a toll on me it was hard because at that time my staff everybody was kind of getting these i would say perks from the pandemic Oh, if you have a fever you can't come to work right so agency i actually never had the agency in my building after i took over but it was so hard i mean i would i would be whatever body i needed to be during that time so If we needed rooms cleaned i was a housekeeper Uh, i'm not a good cook but if we needed breakfast Mm -hmm. i will do it um anything we needed i tried to play handyman i thought i was pretty handy but i'm not that handy so those first few weeks it was like i felt like i walked into a building also during the transition period when they told the manager um, at the time that they were selling she gave her notice okay so I felt like I had taken over the job of five people. There were basically five people in my role that were just stepping out. Right. The manager, um, the two women took over, did the books, and then Ron Wetzel did all the any kind of maintenance, anything that the building needed. Um, so I walked in and I was like, all these things are now on me. So the 24 hours was kind of necessary. <laughs> <laughs> necessary.
0: But you knew it was not sustainable.
1: After, I knew. Or you
0: figured that out pretty quickly,
1: I guess. Pretty quickly, yes. Um, I was exhausted. I kind of quit, quit sleeping and started hearing, like, the fire alarm in my, like, it's not happening, but I'm hearing it. Um, or that they have pull cords. Right. Hearing those. I'm always, some, something was always going on, or at least I thought I couldn't, I could not come down. Um, and relax. And so I never left that building. I was, I didn't go to church. I didn't do anything for a long time because I was like, I don't want to bring it in. But in November, we had another round of um, COVID and I, so I spent my 29th birthday in the hotel behind Saltgrass because I couldn't stay in the building because I was an employee. Okay. And I had COVID. And so the state told me I had to leave. Hmm. My mom and dad were f- so scared. Everyone was so scared, and nobody wanted to miss Thanksgiving. <laughs> and so I stayed in this hotel behind—I think it's called My Hotel or something—behind yeah, yeah. Saltgrass um, for two weeks until I was safe to come back.
0: You had a staff at that point, though, that could so I did continue I, taking care of the residents.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but man, there was just no no predicting what was you know who was going to be sick or who who even was going to show up for work right um because also during that time they were doing the child tax credit mm-hmm. and so as an employer you feel those things when there's extra money floating around and it's like mm, i don't feel like coming going to work today i'm not going to um you feel those things and we felt it because it was
0: and in your line of work, I mean, a restaurant has somebody not show up and, you know, there's nobody to cook the French fries or to, you know, serve a table. But, like, you're actively caring for humans yes. who are vulnerable yes. and are there because they need somebody to watch over them. And so the stakes for what you do feel so much higher. If somebody just doesn't show up, like, somebody's got to do that work.
1: Right, right. And even – um something that I remember waking up one day and I was sleeping in my bed in the assisted living. And I thought, you know what? Like, yes, a a week ago, a month ago, whatever it was, I was not responsible for anyone but me. Mm -hmm. And I woke up and I'm, I'm responsible for 30 something residents, 20 something employees. And like the weight of that just kind of hit me and I was like, what? What did I do? Yeah. What did I do with my little life? But um, something else that I would say is kind of people don't realize is, you know, yes, they're a vulnerable population. Yes, the job has to be done. But they're all very much alive and mm-hmm. aware and have opinions and wants and needs. And they will tell you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so when I walked in that building, they were all like, you're not old enough. I mean, I, I can't tell you. It took them a while to come around to me. Um, and they were like, you're not old enough. You don't have any experience with seniors, you know. And I'm like, I think a strange tie that or connection I ended up making with them is like kind of the loneliness that I was experiencing. I was single. I've been single for a long time. And I felt like everybody around me was married. And like everybody's life is moving on. And I was kind of frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with them I think they feel the same way. Like they've kind of lived their life and now they're in this like holding period. Right. And so I just treated them like people. You know, I loved them like they were my grandparents or even my friends. I, I talked to them about my life or what I was going through or whatever it was and they're they're now my family. Yeah. You know, like that's how I feel about them. Um I love them. But it it took us a while to just get to that point where it was okay. You can do this job, and we're gonna trust you with our lives, you know, and with our our home. Like that's yeah. a, that's a big deal. Yeah.
0: Tell me where Hudson House is now. I mean, you've you've emerged on the other side of the pandemic.
1: So um, right now we are we have one vacancy um, recently, and so we had a tour yesterday so hopefully we're full I have um, a very incredible talented manager her name's Sade Thomas and she grew up in Wellington small-town girl but man she is there's no one better Mm -hmm. no one better and this was her first time doing this role being an executive director but no one in the panhandle can compares to her um Every position in my building is full. My employees are happy. My residents are happy. Uh, We have outings. We live normal, normal lives.
0: Presumably you don't live there any longer. I
1: do not live there anymore. I moved back to Claude. Okay. A lot of life has happened for me during the last three years. I got married and I recently had a baby and she's three months old. And so they have a new grandchild yeah all of them and they think that she's the best thing since last bread
0: <laughs> yeah you've got built in you know babysitting i guess it yeah at all times because yes. nobody likes to hold a baby more than a an elderly person
1: that's right that's right and um you know some of them especially the men are very standoffish with the baby and i recently had one and he was like no i don't want to hold her <laughs> and he came out one day when i was leaving and he's like I think I want to hold her. I can't leave that building without him holding that baby. Wow. For hours. (laughs) He loves that baby. But
0: Tell me about the role that Hudson House plays because it is in Canyon. I'm thinking in terms of Amarillo. You know, you've got some very (laughs) large assisted living facilities, retirement Mm -hmm. homes. Hudson House is smaller, uh, and it's in a smaller community like Canyon. And I wonder if you can tell me, like, why that's important like why is it important for Canyon to have a place like that sure
1: um so with Canyon we have like Hereford Tulia Plainview a lot of those smaller communities the, re- the the people coming out of those places want something with a more small town feel a more okay. community feel um, they don't want
0: like a 10-story retirement center
1: no they're not looking for that they still kind of want their a lot of them came from like a family farm or something so they're kind of I don't want to say um, secluded or isolated, but they're kind of used to their space. Okay, like they don't they don't want a whole lot going on. They just want to. They need a place to help them during the season of their life, and so um, a lot of them just want that small town community feel. And Kenyon offers that. Um, my residents walk the streets. They go to the Dollar General or to United or wherever they. Fat boys, they like the barbecue. They they are able to do those things. And I don't feel like Amarillo, there are maybe a few neighborhoods where I would feel like that would be a safe thing, but on Coulter Street, sure, the yeah. hospital, you know, I would them. not want to be keeping up with them. Right. You know, it that would be that would be very challenging. So I just feel like Canyon offers more of a hometown feel, more the the WT campus is literally next door. I mean, you're surrounded Beautiful. by the campus pretty much, right? Yes and it's beautiful and they love it and there's a lot of just I I do think that there are kind people in Amarillo but the people in Canyon like the bus drivers my residents will hop on and off those buses for WT okay. the shuttles and they give them suckers like the community just loves on them hmm. you know and that's really really special and maybe you would have that in Amarillo but I just feel like I wouldn't feel as safe allowing that you know
0: tell me about the actual work at Hudson house it what what needs it meets for the residents because I I think a lot of people they kind of categorize well a retirement center nursing home assisted living it all kind of fits in the same category but I know it's very different yeah so for listeners who may not know like what kind of care are you providing there
1: so we provide um, through independent living through death okay Um. so we're a type B facility and we're licensed to care for anyone in that um, kind of space in their life. We manage their meds. We feed them all their meals. We can give them showers. We can basically provide any need that they need. They have a choice. So as an, in an assisted living, um, we have like resident rights, And they can deny. I, I don't want to get up at 7 right. to eat breakfast at 8. So... Anything that they don't want to do is really still their choice. I guess that's the biggest thing is a lot of them are still very able to and capable, maybe have like a touch of dementia and they're not able to remember to take their meds. But they're all still functioning. Some of them even want jobs, have jobs. Like They're still active members of the community but need a little bit of, I would just say they just need something to fall back on, somebody to remind them, someone to help them. A safety net. A safety net. That's a great word or a great Yes. Um so
0: but you're also equipped if they come into you at that stage of independence, but then they progress further into needing more care. Yeah. They don't have to go to another facility. Right. They can stay there at Hudson House and you just kind of ramp up the level of care.
1: That's right. That's okay. exactly it. Um and I think the biggest thing I would love for the listeners to understand is it is a place where people still live. Like it's a it's a happy place. It's a active place. It's not like a nursing home. I just feel like you're right when you say they everything falls under that same umbrella. Mm-hmm. And it's not like them going out and walking in a nursing home. There's active nursing care going on. Right. And um, we don't actually even staff a nurse. We have one nurse on call. So everyone in our building is um either has a home health nurse or something that actually takes care of them, but you can have those at home. So they could all technically probably be at home. It's just either not safe or they're lonely or, you know, something else is going on to get them there. And in a
0: lot of cases, if they are from a smaller town, they may not have, you know, the family members nearby right. to check in on them to make sure that that their health is fine. And and that's like that's a decision the family makes that they want to have that level of Comfort and knowing that, you know, mom or dad is not alone somewhere in Claude, you know, without somebody checking in on them.
1: Right. And something I recently heard um, I was at some Fourth of July celebrations with my husband's family, and he was saying that, or his grandmas, both of them from different sides of the family were both saying, all of our friends have died. We, Mm -hmm. We should go eat lunch because we don't have friends anymore. All of our friends have died. And I feel like there's just that really kind of lonely phase in their life where everybody's kind of moved on yeah you know their kids their spouses um their kids are busy raising their kids and their spouses have passed away and so it's just I think they get really lonely and there's something about having community and people you know to share the newspaper with or do the crossword with or whatever it is it's just it brings life back into them
0: Hmm. I want to talk about your role as an entrepreneur and business owner in this area especially since you have a banking background because i know like one of the things i've heard from from small business owners is that this is a great place whether it's you're talking about canyon or amarillo or the panhandle it's a great place to start a business mm-hmm. because the business ecosystem is is really tight and you've got access to resources you've got access to training you've got you know, the Small Business Development Center or the WT Enterprises Center. There's just so many experts you can draw from to to start something new. And I wonder if that's been the case for you.
1: So the first thing that I would say has been a struggle is that there's not very many women-owned businesses. I don't feel like, maybe I'm wrong. I think that's
0: true. I, th- I think it's getting better. Yes. But I, th- I think there's still some catching up that's happening.
1: Yes. And I also feel like there's... To my knowledge, there's only two locally owned assisted living facilities. Okay. And there are a lot of care homes, but the facility side is different. Um, and so those resources and like support there, I've had to lean more on the previous owners than other people in my world. Okay. Um, but the great things, the SPDC saved me during COVID. Hmm. Gina Woodward, could not recommend her enough. Um, and then also different employee things and anything that comes up, residents, you know, disgruntled or whatever's going on, right Law, Mindy McLean, I don't, she's become a dear friend, yeah. I would call her now. Um, and they have also saved me. There's just, once you make those connections, I feel like they just stick here, you know, like, anybody that you reach out to is like, hey, I got you next time, you know, right. it's, it's not like, uh, I'm gonna call the SBDC and get a new person. I'm going to call Gina's cell phone. I'm going to call Mindy's cell phone. I'm going to call those people and they are going to help me. And um, So yes, I would say it's a great place. There's a lot of opportunity, great place to start a business because it is tight-knit. And and the other thing is everybody knows everybody. Like uh, someone from the Chamber of Commerce moved their mother in last week and it was like, Oh, I know Wes, or I know, you know, everybody knows somebody that brings them back to how they got their mom there or dad there.
0: This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by U.S. Cleaners, which has three locations in Amarillo and Canyon. This local business has been family owned for 30 years. In fact, last summer, I interviewed Taylor Van Valkenburg about her family business on this podcast. And over the years, U.S. Cleaners has developed a very loyal, satisfied customer base, They offer pickup and delivery services, they work hard to stay up to date with the latest technology, and they clean everything from clothing to uniforms and bedding and tablecloths. To learn more, visit uscleanersamarello.com. That's uscleanersamarello.com. Okay, I'm back with Alyssa Heck Lewis. Alyssa, this is part of the show I call Eight Straight. Eight Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum in Canyon. I know you're familiar with it. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes Pioneer Town, an immersive experience featuring buildings modeled after actual Panhandle businesses from the turn of the century. You can learn more about it, and you can see it at PanhandlePlains.org. Okay. When you think of the Amarillo or Canyon area ten years from now, what do you hope for?
1: I hope for the same small town feel that is still here today. It's it's growing and we it's great, but I hope that it stays like a tight knit, family friendly community okay. where I can raise my kids.
0: That maybe we grow, but we don't lose the personality yes. that people love. Yes. yes. Okay. Other than wind, what does this area have too much of?
1: Oh, ask me today. Too many days over 90 degrees. Yeah. I could live with all of them being 80 or below. <laughs> okay. Oh, well,
0: you're in the wrong place.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: <laughs> okay. What does this area not have enough of?
1: Old houses. Okay. I live in a 1905 house in Claude, Texas, and I wish there were more of them. Hmm. The character, that's something I love. I mean,
0: there's there's a good selection in Amarillo. There's a few really interesting ones in Canyon and I know towns like Claude have have some, but you know, we're not building old houses to right. look like that. You know, all the houses getting built are new, and so they're just gonna get right fewer and fewer of them, yes. I guess.
1: And preserving them. Yeah. Yes. They do
0: come with some challenges though, right?
1: <laughs> I, I tend to like those challenges, I guess.
0: Okay. What do you think is the most underrated thing about living in this area?
1: The boulevard. So full of life, so full of culture, and There's really great restaurants. People Mm -hmm. kind of, I feel like classify it as scary, but I love it.
0: I'm always, I'm always really disappointed because I've I've heard people say that or tell visitors, oh, we don't go to the boulevard. It's, it's not safe. And I'm just like,
1: oh, "Oh, it's fine. Go to the boulevard. There are amazing places to eat. Go to to 6th Street. Yes. Do those things. Those are, yes.
0: Drive down, you know, on a a Friday night and you've got food trucks, people lined up at the food trucks. Everybody's having a good time. Like it's,
1: it's great. Even the grocery stores are a good yeah. experience, you know, just something different from United. You buy new things, you try new things. Or
0: you go to United. There's one on the boulevard and it's just Yes, fine, right? yes, yes, yes. Okay, what's your favorite local coffee shop?
1: Um, I love Cliffside, or I really love the borough in Claude, Texas. Okay.
0: I have not been there. You should um try I've it. been to Claude, but I've never stopped at the borough. I've heard about it. Yes,
1: it's great. Okay.
0: What's your favorite local restaurant or food truck?
1: I love Reagan's Food Truck. Okay. I love El Manatiel on the Boulevard. Yeah. And I also love Cecil's Last Chance Diner on Twenty Seven. I know Cecil's. <laughs> I've driven
0: past it, but I've never actually eaten there. Oh.
1: I've heard um, some really good things about it, though. It is good home cooked food um but one of the things my husband loves about it is you can still smoke in that restaurant. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we don't smoke, but it's just one of those it things. It
0: feels like uh it it's nostalgic.
1: Yes, like a step back in time where It's funny. It, yeah, so.
0: Okay, what's your favorite local park?
1: Um I actually love Memorial Park, um the Amarillo College Park. Mm-hmm. There's always a lot going on. It's always hopping. Um I love the rose garden. I kind of grew up riding my bike to that park from my gr- my cousin's house. Um and so it's kind of a sweet memory for me, but there's just a lot, a lot of different people. Tennis, basketball, yeah. volleyball. It's soccer, an active park. Very active. Lots of different people. So.
0: Okay. And when was the last time you visited Paladora Canyon?
1: Um, I actually took my residents down to Paladura Canyon last fall. All right. So
0: what's that like taking them there?
1: <laughs> they love everything. You have to stop for everything. We yeah. all need to remember something somewhere. So it takes a while. We don't get out. Mm -hmm. You don't go hike around or anything? No. Let's go to the lighthouse, everybody. Yep. We're going to have to train up for that. Um, But it's it's a good time. Okay. Lots of memories.
0: Well, that concludes my eight straight questions. I like to close by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would like listeners to know about or to experience?
1: If you need a great attorney, I would say right law, Mindy McLean. Can't beat her. Um, If you are an owner of a small business, thinking about it, um, Gina Woodward at the SBDC, at WT Also, can't beat her. It is amazing. And then the last thing, this is kind of an off the beaten path, but man, you can't beat her either. Amber King is um, the vet in Claude, Texas. Okay. And she's amazing. Okay. Amazing. So those are the three women I would love to endorse.
0: All right. I love it. Alyssa, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks again to Alyssa for the interview. You can learn more about Hudson House at HudsonHouseLiving.com. Thanks to Shemin Dental, U.S. Cleaners, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum for supporting Hey Amarillo. And thanks to Angelina Marie for editing the show. Thank you for listening. I really do appreciate it. Hey Amrello exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you. So if you like the show, go leave a review uh, at whatever podcast app you listen on, rate it, review it, tell people why you like it. I also want to say thanks to the local people who support the show financially through patreon.com slash Hey Hey Amrello's executive producers include Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, Josh Wood, Wes Reeves, Cindy Graham, Barbara and Jim Witten, and Corey Burns. This has been episode 310. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week.